This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Today's episode is brought to you by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Discovered is definitely the coolest magazine around. They cover so many bands that uh, other publications just don't. And uh, I love them for it. Support Discovered. You won't regret it. Welcome to the First Ever Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. This is episode 85, and if it is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week is Bob Nana of the band Braid, of the band Hey Mercedes, of a million bands. He's a very prolific uh, musician. Um, I'd seen that he had posted on Twitter being like, Yo, I want to be on podcasts. And um, someone tagged me in it. And this is uh, the most exciting, easiest guest I've probably ever had because <laughs> it, it came together that quickly, that easily. Um, Bob Nana was someone that I was definitely looking forward to try to reach out to sometime. So uh, this just all worked out perfectly. Um, I am in Seattle today, but this is coming out on Wednesday, which means the tour is officially over and I am home. This has been the best time ever, and I cannot thank everybody enough who's come out and supported this tour. It's been an absolute blast. <clears throat> Being on the road with Vane has been incredible. What an amazing group of people and incredible band to watch every single night. Um, this last couple of weeks, we've been with Military Gun and Scowl, two bands that just like completely blew me away. Um, I've known Military Gun for a while, but it was my first time getting to see Scowl. Um, and then the first leg of the tour, we had Third Face and Gleamer, um, two bands that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lifer for. I'm going to be looking out for everything they're going to do going forward because they're two bands that are just completely, completely remarkable. All right, I can drone on all day about this bands, but I got to get to the podcast at hand. Uh, I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. If you hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon right now, there is a bonus episode with Bob Nana where he answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Um, we're doing a lot on the Patreon. There's a Discord channel. You get bonus radio episodes every... Uh, you get tw two extra ones a, a month. Um, you get them a day earlier than everybody. Uh, you're going to get the opportunity to submit questions to upcoming guests now that I'm about to be home or now that I am 
officially home from tour. I'm going to be getting some new interviews going. Um, I appreciate all the support and the kindness that, uh, that has been all that is the Patreon. Um, I've had a tour journal going this whole tour. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, read that over on the Patreon. Also, if you, if you haven't subscribed to the show on like Spotify or iTunes or anything like that, Apple, um, it would really mean a lot to me. Uh, obviously leaving a rating and review is the things that every podcast asked for, but there's a reason because it helps. It really, really does. Of course, telling your friends is incredibly helpful too. promoting the show on your own is, uh, something that, uh, I can't even put into words how much it means. I'd also like to shout out our sponsor, Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you thinking about starting up that band, label, or distro? Or maybe you already have? Well, you're going to need some merch. Anchorfish Printing has been taking care of bands for over 15 years. When Touche started, Michael over at Anchorfish was our guy for shirts, hoodies, patches, pretty much anything we can put ink on, he took care of us um, for several, several years. Uh, he was always uh, making sure we were taken care of. Check out his Instagram over at anchorfish underscore printing right now. Place an order, mention the first ever podcast, and you will get 10% off. Hit them up for shirts, hats, stickers, patches, anything uh, anything you need to promote. He will take care of you. All right, that's my spiel. Enjoy this conversation with Bob Nana. What's up, Bob Nana? This is super exciting. How are you? How are you doing, Jeremy? It's good <laughs> to talk to you. It's nice to talk to you too. This is uh, this is maybe the the funniest way that an interview has happened as quick as possible. Where you posted on Twitter, being like, "I'd like to do some podcasts," and someone tagged <laughs> me in it. And you're someone that I, you know, I have like a long list of people that I have either written down or in my head of like one day I'm going to bug that person to see if they would come on. And this one just kind of fell into my lap and it's very exciting. So that's great. I sort of bugged you. (laughs) Well, through someone else on Twitter, but yeah, this is, this is great. How, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I, I I wanted to maybe just start off real quick before we get into it saying that I just did like maybe an hour and a half ago, something for the first time ever. What's that? Uh, I'll skip the, you know, the, the beginning or, or the reason why, but I booked a solo and I'm not talking about musically. I'm just talking about a trip by myself. I've never like gone on any sort of like trip that wasn't to go visit somebody or to, you know, play, sh- play shows or whatever, but that, that I suppose might count too. But like I've been, you know, as most of all of us have been probably feeling pretty cooped up the past like year and a half or something. So um, one of the things I really missed was traveling. So I subscribed to all these like, you know, like flight deal <laughs> emails right, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one came up this morning and I was like, oh, I got to do this. <laughs> and they got you. <laughs> and they got me. It's, yeah. It was a $220 round trip to Turks and Caicos, which is like, a you know, an islands like in the Caribbean. It, it's you know basically the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I got to do that. It's only it's $200 round trip. And so I booked it, but I still have 24 hours to cancel it if I decide I don't want to go. But <laughs> that's exciting. I think what? you might be responsible for this because, you know, in prep, I listened to I listened to the Laura Jane Grace episode. And okay, yeah. I thought, my God, maybe I should just just do something I've never done before. Yeah. Prep for the show. Oh, that's I mean, that's that's exciting. So when do you leave? How, how soon is this trip? Mar- Mar- March 7th. 
Okay. March 7th through the 10th. Have you ever done any like trip where it's just, just you, you're, you're going to go by yourself and then... You know, no, because it's usually something is involved for music. You know what I'm saying? Like I've done, yeah, I, do. um, I think the closest that comes to my mind was like, um, right before we did our, my band's last record, I was like, oh shit, I still have like three more songs I have to write. So I'm going to just like, totally. I'm just going to go like get an Airbnb out in the desert and try to write these songs. But that was like by myself. But it's again, it was like to do something, you know, it but, wasn't like it wasn't relaxing. It was stressful. Oh, well, I suppose so. You were under a deadline, I suppose. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that when, if, if I decide to go and if I do go, I hope to get a lot of writing, writing done and yeah, how how so? How long of a trip did you plan? Did you do like the hotel? Is it like a hotel deal too? No, no. Okay. No, no, no. It's only the flight, so I still have to figure out all of the other <laughs> stuff, like where I'm going to stay and and stuff. And you know, I I really hope you I do signed it. up. I signed up for these deals because it's not like I've got a ton of money to do this stuff. I was just like, I need, I just need to get out of here. It was like a real drag on my mental health for the past, whatever, year and a half. So right. um, I thought this, I just wanted to go someplace because I'm in Chicago. So it's, it's been kind of cold and dismal, like February's in Chicago are. Um, and just feeling really cooped up. I thought I want to go someplace warm and quiet and, you know, in doing a little bit of re- research into Turks and Caicos. There are parts that seem kind of like Miami beach or something. So sure. I got to find, make sure to find the quiet place where I can, you know, read and write and contemplate things. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you could have fun just in this, this afternoon, like looking on like Airbnb and like looking up some totally. cool places to stay. Totally. Yeah. I'm excited to do that. Well, I, I, I not only hope that you do it, but I hope you send updates so that I could, uh, I'll post like he did it, everybody. Like where, <laughs> where this is happening. <laughs> Absolutely. When is, do you know when this is going to post? Is it going to post oh, before? Actually, that's a great question. This, ah, no, this will. Thank you. Thank you for. That, yeah. yeah. This will probably be towards the tour, mid towards the end of March. So I leave for tour on March 4th. So I'm like, I'm like cr- trying know, to crank out. out. Yeah. Being like, oh my God, I need to. I need to get some episodes going. So when this all came together, I was so excited. I was like, this is exactly <laughs> what I need. Um, well, so- nice. So the people listening to this, I had a wonderful time. I wrote a whole <laughs> record. <laughs> yes. I really hope so, though. I really do. I really I do. Have so you too. have you played any shows in the last two years? Three. Three. Okay. Yeah, I played one in like kind of the height of the pandemic um, of... Um, an acquaintance um, contacted me to play his backyard for his birthday. There was like 10 people there, very safe, very socially distant. And it was, it was actually pretty cool. It was weird. Yeah. But it was cool. Um, And then um, just kind of recently this year, I played two shows. I played a, um, a show uh, at at Cobra lounge here with mock orange. Oh, nice. Um, And again, it was very, I felt very safe. And even though it's a little bit later in the chaos, Still, you know, it was, it was it was cool, and then I played um, a really cool venue called Raccoon Motel in Davenport with um, Owen. Have you had oh. Mike Kinsella on the show? I haven't had him on, but I know I know that would be a real fun one. I know he's uh, oh yeah, yeah, 
he's 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 a strong personality. I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sure is. It's, yeah. Um, did you have it? This is kind of a a fun question to to ask. It's well, fun is maybe not the right word, but it's an interesting question to ask musicians with when they start playing shows back is. Yeah. When you went back, were you at all concerned that you would still enjoy it? Like, because there'd been so much time and maybe a new added anxiety to it, things like that. Did that even enter your head? No, no, it didn't. I, because, you know, enjoyment is not maybe even the word I would describe the feeling I get when I play. Um, because, particularly before the set after the set like my entire life i i get nervous before sets whether it's you know 10 people in somebody's backyard after the set i'm on like a major major high and i love it and it's like the best thing ever but yeah (laughs) so the time leading up to the shows i wasn't like am i gonna enjoy it or not it was still just the same old like kind of kind of feeling a little nervous sure 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 and it's always been like that Wow. Yeah. Uh, has that ever made it hard to want to keep like keep doing it, like knowing that there is that that stress? No, because I, I I've tried and have developed ways to kind of tamp it down or to make it not as bad. And you know, other than practicing, right? <laughs> you know, like making sure that you've got what you need to do down. Um, uh, I do a lot of pre- um, vocal warm ups and stuff. I, sure. I was wondering, do you do vo- like, well, I'll, I'll get to yeah. that in a second, but like, yeah, I, um, in, in 1999-ish, right when Braid broke up that first time, I was able, whatever, I, I was, I, I saw a vocal teacher <clears throat> for the first time, first ever, and um, one of the things that I asked her to do was to um, record with me a whatever, 20-minute thing that I could do before every show. Um, and so she did that, and I literally, it's still on my iPhone, so, you know, whatever, 23 years later. I, I, so I do this before every show, and it not only warms up my voice, but it does calm me down, right? Wow. So, yeah. That's awesome. Do you do vocal warm-ups? My God, I hope so. Uh, you know what? Like, it's funny. I've, I've tried everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I've done, yes. I've done the, I'm not going to drink coffee. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> all, like I've done all of this stuff, but no matter what, it's the same result every time where it's like the first week of tour, uh, like I'm always able to yell. I'm always able to scream. That doesn't yep. ever go away. But, oh, good. but the, but the, the talking voice for the first week of tour is like usually pretty, pretty bad. I have, I mean like I historic, like born always with like a pretty raspy voice. Like how I'm talking mm-hmm. right now is pretty, my life but yeah but yeah like the first week of tour you know like i was dread especially if like you know it's a, a first tour off a new album where you have to do interviews and things like that on the road i'm always just yeah. like fuck like i'm this... are you gonna have to do that on this tour no because thank god of the covet stuff yeah no 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 <laughs> Good. this yeah and also like our last record now came out in 2020 but this is our first headlining tour in support of it so you know one of those things wow. uh are you coming here Yes. Chicago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're... Uh, I'll look. I'll look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, It'll be in March. Better not point. be while I'm in Turks and Caicos. <laughs> well, uh, 
no, it won't be. It won't be. It won't okay, be. Arthur, yeah, I mean, if you're leaving on the seventh, then um, unless you're there for an entire month, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but uh, and it's funny when I asked you that question, I realized in my head I was like, "There's no way that you ever thought about giving up because you're, you know, just kind of looking through your uh, your musical output. Like you're one of the most prolific people it in the never sense, ends. yeah, you're always starting new bands and you have so many, you've had so many side bands and things like that." Um, where did that motive for you, where did that motivation come from? Like, is it just always wanting to create as, as simple as that is? Yeah, I think that's basically it. The, but you know, if you dug down a little deeper, maybe it's just, I, I don't like, I'm always in the, you know, like on the hunt for something new. I always want to do something new, create creatively, um, and so a lot of times when, if people ask, you know, you know, what's the best thing you've done? I'm like, it hasn't happened yet. Like I still am striving to do something that I think is the best. And if I ever do that, then like, well, maybe then I'm, then I, then I'm done. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really constant. I do a ton of, um, listening to music. I, I listen to a lot of new music, especially within the past, you know, eight or so years, like whatever I can get into that um at some point but like yeah the point is is just I I need it you know so whether it's you know doing um solo stuff which luckily I'm able to do um uh or um like right now in fact I just got a text because I'm going to be meeting somebody tonight to talk about maybe starting a, a band a new a new band okay um yeah so um yeah <laughs> so you, it, it, it it's just constant going back to what you said just a second ago about like yeah. uh the way you just phrase that are you able to this may be a big question but like are you able to um know when you've done something good you know like like you say like you don't know if you've done it yet or something like that like are you able to celebrate being like oh this this record turned out great yes okay yeah i am thankfully thankfully yeah <laughs> um Yes, I can definitely be satisfied and happy with the record, but it doesn't it doesn't last that long. And I don't I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, I'm just saying that usually when I do a record and again, I can think of any record that I've done. I'll list after it's been released. I'll listen to it over and over for like, I don't know, five days and then kind of never listen to it again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because I'm just like, okay, that sounds great. What's next? You know, like, how can I, what can I do better? What, what else do I need to say or express? Like right now, I feel like it's, I have a lot of things I want to say. And that's why I'm very interested in starting a band because it'll help um, me be in, you know, a group of people that we can sort of count on each other to do things together and get it moving along because sometimes I can procrastinate and it's how many times how many times in your career have you been in a band with someone that you hardly know has that really been a thing or is it usually people that you've played or, or uh, played shows with in the past or like in other bands that you've known and things like that when it comes to like actual bands I've been in that have played shows it's I mean, always been people it's always been people i've known like okay. i've you know i've tried you know m- messing around and jamming or whatever trying to like play music with a few people i didn't know and you know it didn't I mean, maybe it just didn't go great 
because I don't know. I feel like I, I in particularly, I, I work a certain way, and luckily there are a lot of other people that work in that same way, um, and so that's why you know Braid was able to function so efficiently at practices and and, and on tour and whatever. And same with Hey Mercedes, and same with that with the band Lifted Bells I was in. Like everybody just had like a very deliberate sort of work ethic and we had a plan like if there's no plan if we're not like leaving practice with like a song or like most of a song and then you know i just i can't do it sure (laughs) i i need a plan i need i need to see it listed out and like so i can then plan like you know whatever i'm gonna sing Yeah. And I think that that's a great mindset to have and one that gets the job done. But I know there, but there's, I feel like that's half of us. And then the other half are like, no, nah, man, we could just jam. And that that's, yeah, I got, you know, I don't have a problem with those, with people that do that. I yeah. kind of wish I could do it, but I, I really can't. Yeah. You know, I just can't sit in a room and play the same part for 10 minutes right hope something cool comes out of it and yeah and then try and remember what i did five minutes ago right even though if it's recorded it's just like i don't want to listen to this <laughs> 10 minute jam to find <laughs> the one cool thing i did and then i don't know it's just to me it seems inefficient yeah yeah i uh i don't play an instrument in my band but when we start writing a record there there are those days where they're like well it's just like jam on this thing and then i'm just in the corner looking at my phone like oh my god <laughs> this is this is nightmare material uh, but i but they all enjoy it and eventually something might come out as one of those things but i yeah it's it's uh totally. it's hard for me sometimes um so you're from chicago originally right yes okay cool cool and um when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house, but something that like, you know, maybe you discovered on your own. Yeah, it's interesting because um, my parents didn't really play music at all in the house. In fact, it was my um, uh, a friend down the street who was basically my age. And our parents were all friends, and we would go. I would go to his house, and his parents loved music. And you know, this was, you know, I was born in '75, and so like from the very earliest age, I was drawn to that kid's house because they had a jukebox, and they loved disco, and they loved Elvis, and they loved the Rolling Stones, and I just loved uh, going over there, listening to the jukebox, seeing the. Um, you know, the 45 covers that they yeah. had displayed on there. It was just awesome. And also they were the first people to get like MTV. So I was always going over there watching MTV and watching videos and stuff. And it was, you know, so I got it from them. And I remember like, I remember having like an Elvis Presley, like 45 that I liked. A lot. I was like hound dog or whatever. Yeah. And then like really getting into the Rolling Stones, but it was just completely because um, that, there was no real music at my house, but my, my parents knew how much I liked going over there and listening to music. And they were saying that, like, I didn't even speak for words first. I would sing, like, the alphabet or something like that. Oh, wow. So they they understood how much I was, you know, drawn to it and want, loved it. And so they 
were awesome in the fact that they just you know would buy me records if I wanted records, and they they actually got a jukebox too because my my brother and sister kind of wanted one, and yeah, so I started collecting forty five. So I would say yeah, it was really really early, and you know, I, I say Elvis like I'm a like a boomer or something, but like I, you know I was born in seventy five, but he was he was probably dead by the time I got the seven inch, but sure. um, uh, I just loved it, you know, just the the whole the whole like experience of putting the record on the vinyl or on the um, player. And I might've had like a Fisher price player or something like that. And it just was just the coolest. Yeah. Are you still a vinyl person to these, to this day? Yeah, but not as nuts as like Todd from braid and Hey Mercedes is like crazy man vinyl. Yeah. Um, But no, not as much. I was for a little bit. I, I, I used to collect things more than I actually do. Like I used to collect a lot of junk, but I still, I still do collect things, but I've since tried to like uh, ask Temp- myself why. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have all this stuff? If it's just sitting in a closet, I'm not even like showing it off. I don't have yeah. anywhere to put it. I'm just carrying it around from apartment to apartment to wherever. So I sold a lot of that stuff, but I still have a decent amount of, of records. I, I, I sure. do enjoy <laughs> listening to vinyl. Did you? <clears throat> were you? Uh, were you like? Um, because of the music that you were getting into Elvis, Rolling Stones, things like that. Um, did that classic sound kind of like carry with you up until like, maybe you started getting, becoming like a teenager or did you start discovering more modern music? It was always there. Yeah. It's kind of still there. Like when I, you know, listen, when I hear Rolling Stone song or like, even like old top 40 stuff, like Billy Joel or something like that. And like, you know, like old, I don't know, the police and stuff. Cause I was into like the new, I was into new wave too. That was right around the time when I was, you know, listening to the radio and, um, writing down this top 40 songs and just realizing what I was, what I liked, like David Bowie and, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, when I was, you know, in like my, the later, like eighth ish, seven, six, seventh, eighth grade, I started getting into like metal a little more. And that, that got me into then punk. Um, but even so I was still always drawn to the sort of like the not like too outrageous stuff, Yeah, you know, like for punk, it was like, Oh, I I love, and I still do adore the clash because you know, the clash, a punk band, but yet kind of like a pop band (laughs) or like the descendants, the descendants, same thing, like a punk band, but still like this kind of of sounds like yeah, there's hooks, but also like, yeah, hooks like you would hear in maybe an eighties top 40 song or whatever. So those are the things that really spoke to me. Yeah. And, and so still, still, I, I, you know, whenever I, I write songs, sometimes I'm, I'm sort of thinking about the hooks from, from those days. When you said that you got into metal, were you like into like the hair metal stuff? Cause that would have been the eighties. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. A yeah. Yeah. Bit. yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, again, hooks, you know, the, the, there's no, there's no uh, drought of hooks in the, in the eighties hair metal. No, no, or, or, or like, like, um, I was going to say pump, but just like showmanship, showmanship, and also, and also virtuosity, right? I mean, those bands were like crazy good musicians and technical musicians. So getting into them or like, and then I started getting into maybe like Anthrax and Metallica and Slayer stuff that wasn't like kind wasn't adjacent, a little more thrash. Right. Of course. Um, but, uh. Still, it seemed like untouchable to me. It was like 
well, that's cool. Like I have no intention to become that because I can't. <laughs> and so when I got into punk, I was like, aha, yeah. I can. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can. yeah. Did you, uh, did you ever grow your hair out as a kid? Did you have like the long hair? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I actually I went to Catholic school when I was uh, in, in grade school and high school, actually. So yeah. they were pretty strict about how long your hair could be. But it did get, you know, get a little curly back hair. Yeah, Kind yeah, of yeah. mullet. There's probably pictures that I'll never show. <laughs> um, what was your, uh, what was the first concert you went to? Well, the first concert I went to was in grade school, um, and <laughs> here I'm talking about like Elvis Presley. It was the Monkees. Hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because the Monkees in like maybe '85 or something did like a 20 something or other reunion tour. Yeah, and you know my parents were like, "Well, you can yeah, you can go see the Monkees," and so I went with my friend and his like older brother or something, and we saw the Monkees, and it was at a big whatever big arena here. But it, and it was cool. the The first show I went to by myself was um, it was towards the end of like me liking hair metal, and uh, it was at the Metro here. But it was a band called Dangerous Toys. Who I don't know that one. <laughs> one like you know, hit is probably a too kind of a word for some of the. But it was like just they had like an MTV hit that they played on whatever Headbangers Ball or something like that that I liked, and I saw they were playing and. It's the Metro. It's, it's, you know, it's close. But I was, at that time, I was 14. And I think my, either my parents or my friend's parents would just drive me to shows and then drive us to these shows and then pick us up. But it wasn't too, too much. I think I saw maybe like three or four, like straight up hair metal shows. I saw Great White and Tesla. Nice. Um, and then like in 80, this was like 89. Then I saw the Chili Peppers. Okay. It was on the Mother's Milk <laughs> tour. Nice. And we love, like, I was just blown away. And then I started seeing like naked Ray gun, some of the more like punk bands around here. And then I saw Fugazi in 90. And then it was like hair metal was. Yeah. Toast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if you're allowed to listen to Fugazi and then also Motley Crue at the same time. I don't know. I I feel like there's a, that's actually a law that you would be breaking. (laughs) It probably isn't, but you know what? Um, I, I've been getting in, back into Fugazi a lot lately, mainly due yeah. to this podcast called The Alphabetical Fugazi, which is fantastic. They're okay. done now. They went through every song alphabetically, and each, wow. each episode was about one of the songs, and they had a guest on. Um, but when Fugazi started, Ian MacKay had long hair. There are pictures of him with like long, almost like dreadlock kind of hair. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's just like kind of, that's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did, uh, yeah, I was going to ask if you, if like Naked Reagan and stuff like that, like became a part of your life. Cause everyone I know from Chicago, who's, you know, within our age range between your age and my age, I'm, I was born in 83. It's like, I feel like Naked Reagan became a part of their life, you know, like, and hundred percent as much as I think that that band is known outside of Chicago people, you know, it's like a band that is, is obviously loved and respected, but like the importance of that band for people from Chicago is like through the roof off the charts for sure. Um, yeah, because they were so, um, I was so attracted to, to the sort of, I don't know what I interpreted as sort of like danger, but also, you know, nobody was, they were not being played on MTV and they were not being played on the radio yet. We would go to see them at this place, the Riviera, where they would play, they must have played like 
three or four times a year at the Riviera back then, and I still have the ticket stubs. That's one of the things I've saved. Love <laughs> I that. I didn't throw those away. That's cool. Um, but yeah, we would go every single time, and it would be sold out, and it would be a just a, a riot. <laughs> what I would do, my friends and I would do, is we would go, we'd line up early, we would go walk in straight to the merch table, and I would buy a shirt and we we all wore like XL <laughs> scrawny little dudes. Why did we buy? Why did we do that? I'm the same way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just was the thing. Yep. But what I would do, what we'd do is I grab the shirt and I would like wrap, put it like in under my belt and then I would go straight to the front of the stage. So if I got like smashed up against the stage, I'd have the cushion. There you go. Um, yeah. But we would just, it, it, they were, they were really, really important to adult, you know, anybody i suppose coming up in the scene here yeah for sure what uh when did you start playing an instrument because you played drums in bands yeah. first correct yeah was that your first instrument well when you know i was saying my parents um wanted to mm, nourish my mus- music love so they they got a piano um and uh made me take lessons and i didn't love it I didn't yeah. love taking less. I, I, I don't know. I didn't love the whole theory of it. I thought of it as homework. You know, my te- you know, you go to the teacher and it's like, did you do your homework? I'm just like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't love it, but what they did, I don't know whether they saw me like tapping along to something, but they got me a drum set. I don't even remember asking for a drum set, but when I saw it, I was like, yes. And so I just started playing drums. They bought me this sort of, you know, shitty little drum set i'm like i think it might have been a slingerland but like uh, maybe not a slingerland i don't know but um i took to it immediately and was just playing along with everything i heard uh and just wa- started to watch drum i still do it whenever i see bands play sometimes i'll just stare at the drummer and be like yeah this this is the best drummer i've ever seen yeah um or or like the the drummer will do something but i'll be like did you did you just see that <laughs> did you see All what right. the I, I love. I just. I've always been fascinated and just uh, drawn to just cool drummers, cool drumming techniques. Um, so yeah, the drums and the drums are the first band or the first instrument that I played in a band. Yeah, I, and it's funny. Would I'm, I'm totally with you. Like, because I think that it, you could be watching a band that's maybe not the most exciting band to watch. You know, like they might just be kind yeah. of standing still doing their thing. But the drummer's yeah. always got to be bringing it, you know, like my eyes are totally 90% of the time always on a dr- on the drummer. My brother played drums in bands. I never like tried to do it actually in a band. I would, you know, mess around in his kit and everything like that. But like, yeah, watching drummers, it's, it's uh, underrated. <laughs> it's so, I mean, it's, if you know what you're looking for yeah. sometimes, and I just, sometimes I'm with people, I'm just like, did you see that? Did it's like no yeah. <laughs> I'm like, or like i'm I'm actually watching the show we, yeah maybe you could watch the show as right. opposed to just like with your phone like being like trying to capture the next like awesome fill that the person does. <laughs> not to jump ahead but uh your boy who played hey mercedes and braid and everything like that like that's one of my favorite drummers that i remember watching you know like every time i saw you guys awesome. play i was i was always just so taken back by that dude i was uh yeah uh, so blown away so blown away get him on the show he's he's great he's a great person is he doing any band is he doing any bands right now 
Um, he was doing no, not anything seriously. He yeah. lives in Nashville now. Oh, cool. And so he was. He's been. He just got married actually uh, in October, and nice. so we all went there, and it was it was fun. It was a cost. It was a Halloween thing, so we we're all in costume. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but uh, he he'd been playing some local like cover sets with some friends. I think Arun from Saves the Day lives there too, and him. Oh, nice. And Damon will. Um, they do like smith's covers or like misfits covers and stuff like that i could be getting it wrong but definitely yeah he's just been messing around but actual band stuff no. yeah yeah damn him he's and a busy him and a rune that's a that's a, that's a power <laughs> team right there that is a power team it really is um so when you so do you remember the this is a fun question because you know you said you started playing along to stuff on your drums and stuff like that do you remember what the first stuff you started playing along to was yeah, I mean, it was um, <clears throat> it was probably Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. And again, Mother's Milk. I, I you know that just I still think that album is incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, and then um, you know, like Black Flag and stuff. So it was like early punk stuff was really what I mean because I knew I could do it or figure out like Minor Threat. Yeah. Um, but then there was this sort of like funky quote unquote element of like red hot chili peppers because the guy who was playing guitar with me, um, had a little bit of that sort of vibe. Yeah. 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 He liked, he liked that a lot. And we, you know, he liked Primus and stuff. And so we were just like, you know, let's play something that's got a little bit of a right funkiness to it. (laughs) Are we allowed, are we allowed to say that, uh, there is probably some sort of connection between liking the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Minor Threat and then how Fugazi made sense. <laughs> you know, like, are we allowed to say that? That you're like, well, I think so. Yeah. And, and you know, I, you know, on, I was on that Fugazi podcast. Yeah. And they, they asked, or um, Ian is the guy's name, not, not Ian McKay. Of course. But he uh, asks every cast, you know, what, how'd you find Fugazi? And it was, and for me, it was just getting into high school and liking minor threat but not like being crazy about it like really sort of liking really hot chili peppers more and somebody being like oh you should hear this right it's 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 the guys from i don't know they might have said the guys the guys from minor threat but it's like for it's fans of style. red hot chili like peppers reggae or something <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was like okay I'll, I'll listen to it and just blew me away like yeah blew me the hell away i was like this is this is it i love it they did it Today's episode is brought to you by Death Wish, Inc. For 20 years, Death Wish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with their recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers, such as Modern Life is War, Greet Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Death Wish music and merch in their store using the link deathwishinc.com slash thefirstever which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for only items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch when you visit deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Have you checked out those new Greek death songs? Jesus, that band is good. Start there. So what was the first band that you did? The first band I did that actually played shows and put out records was called slap happy okay yeah <laughs> we I, were, I looked that up yeah i saw i saw the all oh, saw all, all all i saw was a demo cassette did you actually put out records 
don't save yourself the time and don't look anymore <laughs> for that stuff. Um, uh, we did two demo cassettes. Okay. And we did we were on one seven inch compilation. Oh, okay. Got the it. The seven inch compilation is called The Decline of the Western Suburbs. Okay. Um uh yeah. I played drums. We our first show was in I you know, I saw Fugazi on um, June 14th, 1990, it was my birthday. It was my 15th birthday. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then I think I, I probably just left that show being like, I got to do this. I have to do this. And at that show, Fugazi actually brought people on stage in the middle of the set to play their instruments. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? I was like, this is, this is not like dangerous toys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I was like, they're literally telling that people to start a band. And I was like, yes, yes, sir, I will go do that. And then it was three months later when Slap Happy played our first show. And it was, we were very, very young is a kind way to say we were really sloppy and probably not fun to listen to, but it was fun to play for sure. Yeah. Our first show was at this place called Club Blitz. And that's a fancy name for somebody's basement. (laughs) Um, And that somebody was Tony Brummel. Who ran, wow. runs, well, ran Victory Records? I don't know how we ended up playing his basement for the first show, Slap Happy, and we we're opening for some hardcore band called I forgot the name of the band, but like a hardcore band. There wasn't, there was barely anyone there when yeah. we played. Barely anyone, anyone there when the headliner played. But it was his house in like Westmont, Illinois, or something like that. Wow, Slap what Happy's a what show. a Venn diagram of. Uh... Of, of the meeting of things that I never thought would uh, would cross. Wow, that's wild. It's true. Um, yeah. What year would that have been? That was 1990. Oh, so that, wow, same year. I mean, time moved at such a different pace then. You went from I need to start a band to starting a band and then playing your first show all within the same year. Yeah, we, yeah. Our songs were simple, relatively simple. Yeah, did you go, did you play in any bands with the people from that band going forward or was that just like, high school friend or school friends or something well no just high school friends um it was through them though that i met two other people that i started the band friction with and friction was a way more serious band we were the first band that actually did touring okay we put out a record and we put out um a bunch of stuff so yeah but i mean it wasn't it wasn't the same people okay and then so yeah if uh if friction was the first band that you recorded with um what was that experience like or like rec- i know you said slap happy recorded but like what was slap did record was slap happy like like four track demo recordings or did you go to a studio with that we went to the studio for the song that we did um for that comp, seven inch okay for the seven inch comp we went to the we went to the studio and <laughs> i think we're spending too much time talking about slap happy because <laughs> i the guy who was that he he was like are your drums in tune? I was like, you tell me. I was like, you can tune. No, I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, you can tune drums. Yeah. And he said, oh yeah. And he sort of showed me some things, whatever. And I was like, huh. Yeah. I had no clue that you could tune a drum. Um, and my drums probably look, you know, the, the, uh, heads were probably all beaten to hell, you know, great job for the studio, Bob. But like, um, when Friction was was uh, doing most of our recording, we did most of it at, at a place, this place called Old Plank, that um, was like a legit studio, and 
it was it was fun. Yeah, it, it was fun. It wasn't, and 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 I took to it pretty quickly. The whole like process of recording the songs, doing the vo- I sang in, in Friction too, so I played drums and sang. So obviously I had to overdub the vocals, yeah. um, and then do harmonies and stuff. It was like it came to me naturally. I'd been a singer my whole life, and even. In, you know, um, school, I was in like musicals and stuff. So I loved singing and, and doing that stuff. And so it was cool. It came natural, natural uh, to me. Was that a hard thing to decide? Like where you were like, fuck, I want to sing in a band, but I also drums are my instrument. What am I going to do here? Yeah. And then how was that for performing live? Um, fine. It, yeah. Again, I was able to pull it off, but I just don't know if it sounded that great. I mean, how do how do you get? I didn't want to wear a headset for God's sake. <laughs> but I but like, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure the sound was always that great. I'm sure sound people when you went and were like, yeah, then the drummer is the lead vocalist, and you're like, oh, God. it's gonna suck. <laughs> How's that gonna sound good? It's not gonna sound good. Yeah. And you're right. It was a struggle because the other two two guys in Friction, we were three piece, did backups, but didn't weren't confident enough to sing lead. And I was, I, and, but I was just like stuck behind the goddamn drums. So like, um, when I went to school in, when I went to college, I left my drums at home and I had a shitty guitar that some, someone had given me like a ex-girlfriend's dad brought that instead. And, and the first person I met in Champagne was a drummer. And then we started Braid. I was like, I, I, wow. I don't sing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did you, did you have some sort of idea about uh, like the basics of guitar from being in bands with these people and like playing around with it or did it, did it come kind of naturally? A little, not well, no, not really. When I was playing in bands with everyone, whatever, a lot of bands, I was actually in a band called Sky Corvair too around that time as well, playing drums, but um, with Tim Kinsella, but I never paid attention to what they, what all these guitarists did on guitar. Um, and now I do obviously, but like, I, I don't know. I didn't. So when I got the guitar, I just went to the library, I think, and got like just basic guitar chords book and learned like how to play basic guitar chords. And then um, it was shocking to me to find out like um, I could play a lot of songs just by knowing these like five, six chords or something like that. And then I remember going to see this band called Material Issue um, and watching the. I was watching the guitar player the whole time. And I was recognizing all the chords he was playing from my book. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like, those are the chords. And I was like, has this, I just haven't, I just didn't notice my entire life. So, yeah. you know, it was more just learning those basic chords. And then it was, you know, seeing Fugazi. And there was a band um, from the area that, uh, that we were in called Gage that was kind of like our local Fugazi that made me want to do wackier things than just the, those chords. Interesting. Uh it's, I got to say, it's kind of adorable to be like, I'm going to the library to learn how to play guitar <laughs> as opposed to like asking a friend, show me a few things. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, I never really thought about that, but yeah. I, I sort of have a, a tiny aversion to like <clears throat> asking people for help sure. <laughs> in a weird way. Like, yeah, we're going to get into some, a therapy session maybe, but like, yeah, I, I, I like to sometimes do. And it's definitely not the easiest thing. I just would, hey, why don't you just ask the guy what he plays or the person what he plays? Um, I like to figure things out on, on my own. So that was just like, go to the library, get a book. Because it's not like YouTube exists. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, I need to find the book. Um, so, yeah. 
That's awesome. Oh, this, this is what I did. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that Friction was the first band that toured. What was uh, yeah. <clears throat> what was the first tour? Oh, it was it was great. Um, I think I must have been sixteen or seventeen. Wow. We went to Florida. It was kind of like Southwest. It was started in Chicago. I think we played like Nashville, Atlanta, Gainesville. I think Gainesville might have been the furthest south we went. We played the hardback. Okay. Um, and the dude who set it up was um, Var, who runs No Idea Records. Wow. And it was it was great. And it was great. Two fat, whatever. Last time I was at the fest, actually, I ran into him, and I had, literally hadn't seen him since that first Friction tour. So it was like. I can't believe it. <laughs> like I, rem- I remember being at that show in Gainesville and Var asking us, you know, do you guys want beers or anything like that? And it, it was weird to me because it shocked to me. I was like, people bound to ask for 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 like beers before shows. And she's like, he's like, yeah, it was really important. To-. Like he he was very like, he wasn't like, wow, you are a you know. You're an idiot. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he was like, he was like, no, it's actually really important for a lot of bands. I was like, huh, didn't know that. Yeah. Also, I mean, I was what couldn't drink legally You're a anyway, teenager, but like, yeah. still, I'm sure that. But yeah, that was like a shock to me. Was everyone um, else in your band like 16 too? Yeah, the guitar player was was 16. The bass player was. I think two or three years older than us. How did you make this tour happen as, as a pre-internet 16 year old? Talk to me about that. You, you probably know the answer. You might've heard this before, uh, but it was, um, book your own fucking oh, book life. Your own fuck- okay. Yeah. You use that book. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. I mean, we, it's funny. We were, when Braid had our house in Champagne, we were in the air there as like a venue. Okay. Could call Bob to get a show. Um, but yes, that was it. I mean, Scott, who was the um, bass player of Friction and the one who was a little bit older than us, was a real sort of um, action man. Go, you know, he he was he booked the tour. He called the places. He he had some connections too, and I'm forgetting through what. We might have had connections through the label that was putting out our record as well, which was called Allied. Okay. Um, so they might have given um scott some phone numbers and stuff but yeah we ended up playing we played um gainesville with i don't know who we played with we played the hardback cafe we played um a few shows with a band called car versus driver oh yeah from totally atlanta yeah and then in on the way back up we played in um uh we played with currents which was a band from detroit um and we played with Propagandi. Whoa. Like it was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was like kind of near there. It wasn't actually in the city. It was at this like firehouse. Okay. And it was like friction, propagandi. And I'm actually going to be on a propagandi podcast, I think, next. I think think it's tomorrow, actually. Okay. Yeah. When I did that call, I got a few bites. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I mean, the tour was incredible. I I love traveling and, you know, I'm hopefully going to be doing some a bunch of traveling this yeah. year some some traveling pretty soon um so that was the first time i'd ever been in florida and i seeing like palm trees and stuff i was just like everything was new it was just awesome to me um and then we we had a, such a fun time with all of the other bands too everyone seemed kind of even propagandi like we played like volleyball with them 
because we were just like goofy. We were just yeah. like goofy kids on tour wanting to do like goofy shit. Yeah. And um, so it was fun. It was like, yeah, this is this is great. Did that love for touring and travel stay with you always? Yeah. Like you, that's nice to hear. I, you know, I feel like more often than not, guests are always like, yeah, now I'm over touring. But I, you know, like, I'm glad that you still enjoy it. You're, you're like me. I still, I still love touring. I do. It's tough though. Like, because I haven't, well, I guess I have, you know, I, I've done a few solo tours reminiscent of just like the kind of the grind, like six shows this week, whatever, you know, like no real days off. Um, the stuff that like Braid and Hey Mercedes used to do, but now when Braid or when Hey Mercedes was doing stuff, it's like, you know, long weekend or if, you know, we, we done, we did Japan. It's just like that, that's it. It's not like it's part of like a huge U S tour. Or something yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. What was the first, but, I, but go ahead. Yeah. Go, no, that's it. I was going to say, when was the first time that you went overseas? Um, 98 98 and braid went to uh europe with get up kids in 1998 and then that was also the year that frame and canvas came out but frame and canvas came out in april <clears throat> so our tour was before it came out which was a bit of a problem whatever yeah um but then we went back to europe at the end of 1998 with burning airlines so we toured europe twice in 1998 and that was the first I had been, I think I'd been to the UK before and can and I've also, I'd also been to Canada, but definitely never played any shows outside of the U S and that was, both of those tours were six week grueling sort of tours in the winter in both of them. <laughs> Is it, so, no matter what time of year, it's always the winter when you're, when you're over yeah, exactly. there, it seems. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm going this, I'm going in June oh, okay. this year. Yeah. So it better not be the winter. <laughs> um, with uh, uh we can jump ahead a little bit to so now with braid sure. um that the frankie record that came out on a label called divot what's that what's the story with that label were they like chicago based um yeah how yeah. did that come your way yeah it was a friend of ours okay um and i'm not sure a friend of ours named fred i'm not sure if divot put, put out too many records um uh maybe f- Less than 10, I would say, total. Yeah. Um, but he was the person that we knew that had the means to do it and wanted to do it. And also, we we found ourselves with this wild sense of freedom because we had a friend with a recording studio in his house in Champaign who just let us do it for free. Yeah. And hang out there and we would, you know, drink beers and goof around and record music. And so we came up with the idea to do like this double album or whatever, which was wild, but we were just having fun and he, he, um, he wanted to do it. So he was in Chicago, but you know, we were in Champagne. Um, something I noticed is like, you know, you, you like braid was at the forefront of like polyvinyl starting. seems like, I think like, Mm -hmm. I think that first, I think that one braid seven inches, like one of the first polyvinyl releases, and you still, yeah. you know, you've continued to work with them throughout all the years. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that there's much of a question in here, but like, how do you, f- how do you feel about that relationship from when it started to like, as it went on, like, did, uh, did it always just kind of feel like a safe place to, to, you can always go back to kind of a thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, Matt from Polyvinyl 
set up the first braid show um, in Danville, which is where he's from. And that was in 1993, and that was before polyvinyl was... I think it, it might have already been a zine. He, had a, he was making a polyvinyl zine at the time, and then he started doing a record. Or he did one record that came with a zine, and then he did a compilation, and then, yeah, he did a braid um, seven-inch. But, I mean, he, he's like quite literally been there from the very beginning, him and Darcy. Um, so, yeah, when braid... But, you know, the, the, the label took a little while to get rolling yeah and so it took a little while for us to uh i don't know trust isn't the right word because we definitely trusted him but i think maybe trusted him to be able to keep up with our crazy schedule yeah like we wanted because we were touring constantly like hundreds of shows well can't do too many hundreds of shows a year but like always we were always on the road so we always needed records um and we so when we were confident that he would be able to um keep up with us then we did frame and canvas with him and you know and then we did a hey mercedes record with him yeah um did a brady p with him and uh, you know we talk all the time still so yeah 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 i'm sure something else will happen and then so with frame with uh with the frame and canvas record i saw that you guys i don't think i realized it until i was like obviously this uh, it's fun when i get interviews uh, you know I, it makes me do a lot of research and then i discover things that i don't think i ever realized Things like that. I don't think I realized that Jay Robbins did that record. So talk yeah, to, so talk to it, me about how that happened. Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it might have been one of the first ten or so records. I knew he did the Texas is the Reason record. He did the Nothing Feels Good. Yeah, and uh, he might have done a few more before. I was just listening actually to the Monarch Kid. I don't know if the Monarch Kid record is so insane. Uh, it's so much fun. I think he, I'm pretty sure he did that too. Yeah. Um, we. I think we just, I think it was because of Nothing Feels Good, where we loved it and loved what he did. And we, you know, we were friends with Promise Rings. So they just gave nothing but glowing reviews about him. Plus the fact that, like, I was a huge Jawbox fan and all of us were. Yeah. And so when we were on tour, um, I think in 97, yeah, it was 97, and we played some place in DC. Higgy came out and Kim Coletta came out and met us and watched us. And I remember the, us playing kind of poorly, but he saw us and he was like, yeah, I'd love to do the record. And then, but we, so we ended up doing the record in December of 1997 and it was five days. We drove, well, we drove to DC. We played shows on the way to, to DC to sure. our ear. Yeah. We recorded and mixed the record in five days. Um, so it was fast, fast, fast. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just an amazing experience working with him because I was such a fan of of of, ever, of everything he had done and all of the engineering and stuff that he had done. And there were times <laughs> there was like this one moment where Chris Roach uh, from Braid and I were like kind of in the back of the room, and he was behind the he was his back was to us. Yeah. He was at the board, and he was listening to something, and he was like grooving out and we were just like do you see this do you see him like groove like just like really into the into the music and we're like i can't believe this is like a dream come true yeah, yeah he was so so much fun and he have you worked with jay i haven't no i've never even met him but so many friends have done records with him and, and all that sort of stuff never met him he is a he's a he's a genius on so many levels but the the two that like were really great. And we were able to really utilize him to his full potential when, when Hey Mercedes did Every Night Fireworks because we had 
three, two weeks of just tracking. Um, so we were able to get real fun. But like, um, he is excellent with harmonies. He can pick, why, like with Friction and Braid, I sort of had my way of doing harmonies um, and kind of stuck with it. But he just would come up with really interesting, odd ones out of nowhere and be like, no, no, it's this, this. Like, I'm like, wow, that's really, really cool. Um, that and also percussion. He was like the master of like the egg shaker. Okay. Like he, he like knew exactly what to do. And if you listen to, you know, Burning Airline stuff, not as much Jawbox, but like the Burning Airline stuff that he like engineered and stuff, you just, you'll hear like it pan, you know, panning percussion. And yeah, he's just a, a master at, at, uh, at that stuff. Yeah. Among other things. Those are just the two like fun things I, I, I remember. Uh, did that Burning Airlines split come out after Framing Canvas or was it before? After. After, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, was that one of the first times where you got to work with someone that you were like a fan of or like got to be around someone that you were like, oh, I'm actually like a fan of this person? Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, that was the first time definitely where, because I, you know, met people i was fans of and yeah sometimes was like awkward or, <laughs> or whatever as you would assume when you're like meeting somebody that you're in awe of yeah um and it probably was like that with jay too but because we were there to do a job basically to do work to work on this thing together like it went away pretty quickly and you know it became like yeah he's just a friend of mine but that was the first yeah definitely the first time i had to do work with somebody who took a second to like yeah get, remember who you were yeah <laughs> um so when braid broke up and then hey mercedes started like how big of a transition was that and i guess one of the first questions i had was like with that first hey mercedes ep were some of that like ideas that you had for braid that crossed over into that um no the okay. transition though was very was easy and seamless and those probably could have been the next Braid songs. They probably would have been. Sure. But they weren't, they weren't things that we had started with Braid. There was enough time when Braid decided to break up and Hey Mercedes to go on as a different band that the slate was sort of wiped clean and we just started writing new songs from scratch. Okay. Got it. Um, then, uh, then you ended up signing to Vagrant. And, and that was yeah. like, I mean, I was just having a conversation with, uh, with someone last night, like vagrant in the 99 to 2003 was like the yeah. <clears throat> just monumental and like such a coming of age time <clears throat> for like young kids discovering emo and things like that. I mean, I was definitely a part of that generation, you know, from like something yeah. to write home about every night fireworks, you know, uh, stay what you are. All of those records were just like monumental and all yeah. anniversary all of that stuff so like i guess i'm just kind of curious like when that all came together um what do you remember from that time um and the lead up to every night fireworks and all that sort of stuff yeah um hey mercedes did the first ep with polyvinyl yeah um and then you know i think at that point braid had done like close to a hundred shows with get up kids. So we were, we, you know, intimately familiar with yeah. everything about them. 
um, they had signed to Vagrant. They were like, "Come, come to Vagrant. This is this is great. They're going to hook you up with uh, um, a budget, and you know, big tours coming up. Like, do it." And so we flew to L.A. and Hey Mercedes did and played some shows. I think we played Troubadour and played a show in San Diego. We played like four or five shows or something like that. Were you at that show? That just hit me right now. I'm pretty sure I was at that Troubadour show. I wonder who that would have been with. Uh, oh, I'm going to look up my ticket stubs because I also have all my ticket stubs. I definitely have. I was at that show for sure. Whoa. Yeah, that would have been 2000 maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Ah, whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll look. I, could, I could look it up too. Pretty. Yeah. I, I, you know, I keep track of all the shows I've played. So I've got that. that written down somewhere. Yeah. But, um, and then we met um, the folks at Vagrant and went over to their office and stuff and, yeah, signed with them and instantly, because I think they were probably like psyched to not only because we had a tiny, we had a bit of a pedigree and like a running start because of Braid. Totally. But also just we had such insane drive to tour, tour the fuck out of anything. And just yeah. we, we wanted to do that. And so they were probably like, sign right here, you know? <laughs> so um, uh, we did that, and then we were able to record the record at um, Pachyderm, which is where In Utero was um, oh, shit. recorded. It's, just, it's, it's near, it's kind of near Minneapolis, south of Minneapolis, I think, um, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there's a big house, and then there's a separate sort of back cabin where the um, all the recording happens. But it was awesome. But the thing that was what i remember is just just like jumping onto like a, a a rocket because um and no pun intended we did play some rocket from the crypt shows too <laughs> but like you know like jump because it was instantly we were on huge tours we did a tour with um jets to brazil it was the first tour jets to brazil and then it was jimmy Eat world and then we left the jimmy Eat world tour i might be getting these confused yeah. but one of them was the vagrant america tour right so we and the Vagrant America tour was uh, massive. You know, us, yeah, Get Up Kids. We were on some of it, but it was mostly Saves the Day, Dashboard, Alkaline Trio was on some of it. I think I went to Hot Rod Circuit. I think I went to both nights of that at the House of Blues in L.A. because it had different. I remember that it had different lineups both nights. Yeah, Reggie might have been on one. Yeah, maybe. Reggie was on I, one. I um, maybe, fuck. And then I remember there were no motive, maybe. Yeah, and I, I think that's a tour where like one of the headliners was going to be a surprise and everybody thought it was going to be, I think everybody thought it was going to be the get up kids. And then it was face to face and everybody was like, Oh, okay. That's cool too. <laughs> like, because I think that was the night that Reggie played. So people are like, well, if Reggie's playing, then that means that some of those guys have got to be out here. Totally. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> uh, I remember those shows too. What was wild about that tour is that's the first time I ever toured on a bus. Oh yeah. I never done any bus tours and they, that whole tour was a bus tour. We shared it with first. We shared it with, um, I think maybe we most, I think it was, we, it was dashboard first, then hot rod circuit. Okay. And I don't know how all those things got shuffled around, but like, uh, it was just, it was just, it was so much fun. I, I felt kind of similarly to how I felt on that first friction tour because it was a big rolling circus of, you know, a hundred, I don't know how many people were on that tour, but a lot. And we were all friends and we all liked to like 
goof around and have fun and play stupid games just summer and camp fuck with each other while yeah. they were playing yeah yeah and we had bunks you know we had like buses with bunks that you know if you wanted to go pass out go do it if you yeah. wanted to sleep all day there's a place for you to sleep all day yeah and it was like yeah i like i i that was really really fun and so we did the next tour that hey mercedes did was with the next big tour we did we did a few we did one with new and original okay and uh we did one with anniversary i might be missing some but like we one of the the next big headlining tour we did was with piebald okay and we we had a bus nice that wasn't as great because we had to pay for the bus (laughs) and we didn't make much money on that tour yeah Yeah. not the same not the same um Well, I mean, it's funny, like you have such, such like I was saying earlier, like it's, you've put out so many records, like it's hard to just say like, all right, now I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this one, you know, like, um, so, uh, you know, I guess well, I could just jump forward a little bit with, um, sure. when Braid got back together and you did that record with Will Yip, um, what mm-hmm. was that experience like for you to, to get back in a room and then go to a, like a, a newer, younger, uh, producer who's like you know at that point definitely starting to grow his game and everyone knows will right. yip is this thing um what was that like for you getting back in a room to do that really great when when um when we just had decided to do the full-length record um i was very adamant about it not sounding like four old dudes like just like four old guys just getting the band back together and making like an adult contemporary version of (laughs) frame and canvas or something like that i i don't know i was really it really bothered me that like that really bothered me so when we were when we were um writing the record that was on my mind a lot and to the point where we had a bunch of songs we were like guys we do not have an opening track yet we need a fucking opening track. And so we were like, we wrote this song called Bang, which is like, we just want, I just want it to be the most energetic thing we have ever done. And I want it to be first on the record. Yeah. Um, so in going along with that sort of mindset, we, you know, we could have done it with a bunch of people, Jay included, but we wanted to try it with somebody new, somebody who was sort of on the forefront of the newer, for lack of a better word, emo sort of, um, records that were coming out and we loved the way they sounded and he was psyched to do it. So yeah, that's, we, we got there and we did it with Will at studio four, but then he actually came to Chicago and, and we tracked some stuff here with us. Um, I think most of the vocals were done here Oh wow! because I don't, I don't think anybody, I don't think that one of us, one of us couldn't go. I don't know. There was a weird scheduling thing where we did all of the music at studio four, um, studio four, but Todd, the bass player didn't even go. So um, he, we recorded, we tracked the drums and then we, I think we did most of the guitars there as well, but we didn't do the bass or the vocals until we got here. I think it was Todd because I think Todd has, well, I know Todd's a teacher and so he, he had some limited time issues. And so Will actually came here and did some, some work on it. That's really smart to know, like to, to be aware of those things, you know, like also, I mean, as we know, like reunion records, I think you perfectly explained it. You know, it kind of feels like that oftentimes, like it, you can see, you could see you're like, you're listening to the band, but you're, but the magic isn't really there anymore or it yeah. feels like watered down or something like that. But I mean, that braid record I think is a, is, is one of the few examples of like a band getting back and doing it and sounding modern. You know, it doesn't sound like 
old ideas. It sounds like fresh ideas. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. I, it was definitely deliberate. Yeah. Straight up. Um, funny enough, uh, we just did a tour with Thrice and uh, Shu was is on yeah. that was on that tour uh, from Hey Mercedes, obviously. And uh, yep. and we didn't know he was in Hey Mercedes until like maybe three weeks into the six week tour. And when it came up, <laughs> when it like happened to get mentioned, um, like we we had a funny, you know, like we had a good interact, like we had a good rapport with the guy, like, you know, we were yeah. polite to each other every day and all that sort of stuff, but we didn't like get to know each other very well yet. And as soon as that came up, I, you know, I put him on the spot. I was like, one of these days, I'm going to punish you about <laughs> that band. And he was just like, oh, oh, okay. Like he was, he was very sweet. Didn't, uh, didn't you and I talk at Wrecking Ball fast? Oh. Um, was that, did, did, was that? Hey Mercedes played with you guys at that or was that because I remember being backstage and I think I'd watched some of your set and then talked to you briefly that was that in, yeah that would make sense it was yeah wrecking ball fest but I don't yeah. know if it was Hey Mercedes because Braid played one year and Hey Mercedes played the next year that was all such a blur it was so uh, our year had like our stage like Piebald was on it and like Gorilla Biscuits Hey Mercedes yeah it was Hey yeah. Mercedes yeah. yeah 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 that makes total also, sense what a I, I talked recently because I, I actually talked recently with um, Chris Caraba yeah. because I had to learn a, it's whatever, this is pointless. I love um, it. Exposition. But I had to learn a Promise Ring song. And so I was looking at um, videos of Promise Ring playing this particular song. And one of the ones that came up was from Wrecking Ball. And just stage right. I, I, was, on, I was on stage at Wrecking Ball while they were playing too, but I was behind where the camera was, but the camera's right there. And like Chris Carab is there watching them play. Yeah. So, um, I, when I talked to Chris recently, I, I said, you know, I just, I was just watching you watch promise ring or whatever at that fest. And I was like, how fucking good was that fest? That was such a good, amazing lineup. Incredible. Drive like Jehu, deaf heaven, Raina Maria. I think American football promise ring maritime motion yeah. city soundtrack. Um, I think world's a beautiful place. Sam, I am like it was stacked, stacked, it was incredible. And yeah. I had I had a blast, like an absolute. And I think Lemuria played too because they were hanging out, like an absolute blast at that. That was the best fest I'd ever. I think I'm with you. Much less played. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Like it's it's rare. It's the people who booked it. Just if I feel like they just had their the finger on the pulse of like what everybody would want to see because like they pulled great yep. reunion uh reun like that was thursday's reunion i think um yeah yep. quicksand i think played but then it even yep. had stuff like yep. l7 like it was like all L7, over the place right. yeah yeah it was it was super cool super super yeah, cool i love that um well shit man let me let me hit you with the last question which is uh do you remember the first time you, do you remember the first time you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards um, I thought a little bit about this because yeah. you, you know, said this and it's tough because I musically, I, you know, to harken back to what I was saying earlier, I'm not sure I've felt it yet. Like I, I don't, I feel like I'm still working on the, the thing that I want, like the, the thing that I want most. Yeah. And the thing that I want most, I don't even know what it is. I'm still sort of like chasing it. I like, I couldn't tell you what I want, but I know that I want to keep doing it. Um, but it, there was never like a moment where, um, I was on tour or, um, on stage or like 
loading gear on stage or loading gear off stage. I was like, wow, I'm finally, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm finally, yeah. I, 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 not really. The, but the one thing I would say, and, you know, just to, to mention it, like um, in 2013, my friend Mark Rose, who's in the band Spittlefield, and I decided to start this um, website called Downright. It's like a songwriting website. People can get custom music from like, you know, their favorite artists. And when we decided to start it, we were like, let's get some of our favorite art, you know, whatever. So we got Matt Pryor on there and uh, Josh Berwanger and, you know, all these people that like uh, Mark knew from from his touring and stuff. And then we worked so hard um, to get the site built. And then when it launched, that was a moment where it's just like, it's actually happening. We, we've done it. So th- it was maybe a, a little more of a mm, linear path to uh, accomplishing a goal yeah because you know in terms of playing music i just i feel like i haven't accomplished that goal yet i know but but and nor have and and like, uh, yeah i haven't like really experienced that moment because i feel like i'm still i'm still like trying yeah <laughs> you know what i mean I, I i haven't gotten to that point where i'm just like well i did it I, or like i'm out, or even or like i'm out on my way to doing it like i'm still trying i'm 40 six so i mean it makes you not complacent that's true <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's a positive that's a positive yeah, uh, yeah well, I, uh, bob this has been such a blast I, I appreciate you coming on and uh this is this is this is wonderful thank you well thank you for yeah thanks for having me it was really fun talking to you and like when you know when you're in chicago i i, I hope i'm in town i'll check the dates here and so yeah. we can hang out then too let's do it let's do it awesome And that is our show. Thank you so much to Bob Nana, and thank you for listening. Reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now on the Patreon where Bob answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to hear that now. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all the things that uh, the podcast asks you to do. All right. Take care of yourself. Thanks again for coming out to this tour if you have. Uh, I will see you uh, on Monday with a brand new Radio Hour episode.